The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. What motivates you or drives you in your leadership? Is it fear, maybe love, or something else? And are you happy with how that's going? Today, you'll hear from Brittany Miller about how she transitioned from being motivated by fear to being motivated by love. You won't want to miss this. Welcome to Leaders Moment by FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take a moment to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews and stories of leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Hey, thanks for being here. Whether it's your first time or maybe you're a regular listener, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me a quick email at scott at fxmissions and give an appropriate greeting. Howdy, hello, saludos, whatever you prefer, but I'd love to hear from you. Nonetheless, our guest today is Brittany Miller, and you'll get to know more about her as we get into our conversation. I was happy to be able to reconnect with Brittany, though not in person. Hopefully, it seems like it. We have known each other for quite a few years and collaborated on a variety of missions endeavors. While you're here with us, you're going to hear about moving away from being a people pleaser to trying to find the best solution for everyone and growing in the role of a business owner, overcoming fear, and a lot more just like that. But first, I'd like to give you a quick update on my progress as an author. Yes, you heard it right. I'm published. Yay! Anthologies from the Forefront, Volume 1, is available currently. And we'll try to backlink here so that it makes it easy for you to find that content. Interesting side note, some of the lessons I learned in the book were while Brittany and I were on missions together. Hi, Scott McClelland here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thanks for joining us. We're pretty intrigued today. What will our friend have to offer when it comes to this new I guess we're kind of in the middle of this business leadership series on leadership moment. So I want to introduce to you, Brittany Miller of the Millers. Hi, Brittany. (laughs) Hi, Scott. Brittany, thank you for being here, by the way. I really appreciate it. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I know, of course, I know your story. We've known each other for a while. I know a little bit about your business story here and there. But I think I'm going to learn a lot today, and I'm looking forward to that. And in some ways, you inspired this business-focused series on Leadership Moment, but my mind for details doesn't let me remember. 
Can you remember how you might have inspired <laughs> this series? I think you might have a better mind for details than I do. Oh my goodness, Scott. Well, I think we were just catching up and I was sharing some of the things that the Lord had been teaching me through the business because, you know, the Lord always uses whatever we're doing at the time to teach us and help us grow. And so I think it was just as we were talking, you're like, hmm, maybe we should do a business series. And I'm like, yes, we need that. Please do that, Scott. And then you're like, well, maybe you should do it too. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. That makes sense. It's been a little while back, so I am going to give myself the pass on not remembering it completely. Is that okay? Of course, Scott. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, we've known each other for a few years. We met in the Carolinas when we were living there, did some mission stuff together. And then, you know, after those programs and stuff were concluded, and maybe our different roles in that time, we've obviously stayed in touch. I've tried to be an encouragement to you from a business point of view. Obviously, I've been in business quite a while, and I think that's been a blessing to both of us. I appreciate your uh, courage to be, I'm going to say, a young lady in business. Do you feel young? Do you feel as young as you did when you started your business, Brittany? <laughs> oh, I do feel like I've aged probably double since starting the company. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, not funny, but I get it. I get it. So tell us a little bit about your background, maybe a little bit where you're from before we kind of dig into the details there. Sure, of course. So I'm originally from upstate New York, um, very, very upstate. So think cow country, not city. <laughs> and I grew up there. So my entire childhood was there. And I absolutely loved it. I had the opportunity to do lots of creative things in the country including dream up all kinds of business ideas. I always wanted to be in business from the time I was young. And so, you know, I would sell anything I could. <laughs> I used to crochet and so I sold crochet jump ropes. That doesn't work very well. They were not functional, but people were so kind and still bought them. How old were you? How old? Oh gosh, I was probably like eight. <laughs> Interesting. So you were working on product development right there. Sounds like entrepreneurialism was in you from the very start. Yes, for sure. <laughs> awesome. I got to say, folks, I don't know how much you like cheesecake, but uh, Brittany here has a skill set when it comes to cheesecake. Of all varieties, I remember when you made and sold cheesecakes at one point. Do you still do that? I still make them sometimes, but I no longer sell them. <laughs> well, folks, if she starts back, you want to get on the list, let me just say. So that was one of the things that I was familiar with that you did. And very cool. I think I'm learning something here about your entrepreneurial bent as a very young person. So you were in a ministry school. That's where we met. You had some designs, I guess it was, on ministry. Is that safe to say? Is that why you went to ministry school? Did you say some designs, Scott? Yeah, some designs. You were thinking, hey, I want to be involved in ministry. That's what I'm asking. For sure, actually. So I, I knew that the Lord was 
telling me to go to ministry school. And at that time, I, I put business things off to the side because I, I had this mindset that if the Lord had called me to be in ministry, he did not also call me to be in business at the time. They were very exclusive in my mind. And so I'm like, I'm going to ministry school. And it wasn't until getting to the school, I can't remember if it was the first or second year that I learned that they are not mutually exclusive, which was so exciting to me because I would, had been a little discouraged thinking that I would have to give up my desire to be in business in pursuit of the Lord. So that was a great revelation, which encouraged me after ministry school to go back to pursuing business with the Lord as the drive and the focus. Very, very cool. It seems like that's a pretty common thing. I mean, in my case, that was also part of what I learned. And I'm surprised, I guess, that most people who feel like they want to be in, you know, quote, ministry, unquote, they have a sense of it being an impediment to having some involvement in business. I ran across that quite a bit, but it was a good day when you learned that it wasn't either or. Mm-hmm. Very good day. <laughs> Excellent. Now, let's talk a little bit specifically about your business. What is the business that you're in? I am in a music business. So we offer music lessons, private one-on-one, -on -one, um, sometimes small groups, to children and adults all ages. I think the youngest we start is two, <laughs> if they're really passionate, um, and we just keep going. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about your background in music. How did you get involved in music, and how old were you when that happened? Sure. I was actually kind of late to get started in music. I really started pursuing it when I was 11 years old, but the reason why I started pursuing it was actually my mom. I, I always loved it, but the Lord had told my mom one day that I was going to be a music teacher. And at that point in time, I had no desire whatsoever. I, I think I wanted to be a farmer at that point in time. <laughs> the Lord was like, she's going to be a music teacher. And so my mom was like, okay, I'm going to put her in music lessons. And so that is how it all got started. And so I started with piano and voice. How old were you when the, the, all of that was happening? When your mom heard this or? <laughs> I, I was 11 when I started classes, but I, I'm pretty sure my mom had thought about it before then. And I had always like sang and done fun stuff with music, but never like to pursue it until that point. Okay. Yeah. And like you say, most people who are like, have a lifelong involvement in music, maybe that they're starting at five or younger. So that was a little bit of a late start, like you mentioned. So piano and voice, do you still play? Do you still sing? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Most of the, the playing and singing I do currently is for my students. Um, I practice their songs and try to do what I can to help them grow. You know, they say that you learn more than your students when you're a teacher. And so I've grown so much by being a teacher just because I want to be the best I can for my kids. <laughs> yeah, it's also true in parenting, by the way. The children raise the parents. Yes, they, they do that. Oh. And I'm thankful for that, <laughs> I got to say. 
I have three daughters that have really helped raise me. So it makes sense that your students would help you learn. So what area are you in? Where's your business active? And what's the size of your team? Sure, absolutely. So we are located in Fort Mill, South Carolina. However, our music company is mobile. So we we travel to all of our students. And so we teach in Fort Mill, Rock Hill, York, you know, all the way in North Carolina, Charlotte, Matthews, Stallings, everywhere. So just wherever we have teachers that are interested in taking on some little students and students that are available, we just send them out. When you say all the way in North Carolina. (laughs) Maybe that was an exaggeration. (laughs) That was funny. Yeah. So how far is all the way? We usually travel about 30 to 45 minutes out from Fort Mill, South Carolina. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because I think Fort Mill is the first thing you come to when you leave North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. So how long's your business been going? We have been going for five years now. So we just hit our five-year anniversary in 2021. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been really, really good. And I'm thankful. And um, I know you had asked about our team that we have. and, And currently we have about 15 of us on the team, all teaching lessons. Yeah. Okay. Here's the way I'm thinking about you, probably if I'm wrong. You say, okay, you know, whatever. You make the decision to teach. You're going to go down the road there. I know if I remember right, and of course, we always have to verify this. My memory is not my strongest feature. You're involved in teaching for other organizations before you started your own business. You made the decision to start. Was it immediately, I don't have enough personal time and and uh, opportunity there schedule-wise. I've got to get some other people involved. How long did it take before you knew it wasn't just going to be a solo thing? Right, right. Oh, goodness. I think it was probably about two and a half years. So I taught for two and a half years before deciding to start my own thing. And Yeah, it was just one of those things where I I discovered that I loved it so much that I always loved music and I discovered that I loved teaching and I still wanted to do business. And so the way to do all of those things was to venture out and start my own business doing the things I already knew that I loved. That is cool. And it's a great summary that you pulled together there. So how could these things all work together? to really bring to bear what it is that I feel strongly about into this type of venue. So were you three people in the first year? Were you four or five, six? In the first year or so, how many people were on your team? Goodness, well, for almost the first year, I was still by myself. I didn't hire anybody until, you know, my schedule became so filled that I needed to expand. So I I kind of took it step by step. It was, I think, under a year, but then I saw a need where students outgrew me and there needed to be someone on the team that was better than I was, that had the skills to take them to the next level. And so when I saw that, 
I started searching and hired my first person who quickly became a very, very dear friend. And after that, I just slowly started adding more people. So by the second year, I think we had four. And that was a nice number to start and grow. And some of them are still with us today as well, which is great. I like what you're saying there about you could quickly get students up to a certain level, but you want them to continue to be able to grow. So you got some specialization in maybe something that an instrument that you didn't do or, you know, or some specific things that you needed to offer them that you couldn't do yourself. That's pretty cool. So I can imagine that there was a big transition that was headed your way when you are soloing. Obviously, you can see the limitations of that. And I think when you're in an environment of a lot of demand, you, you maybe you can't see the upside of solo. You just see what you're missing. So you try to move and answer that. But how did things change for you when you went from just you doing your stuff and then you involved other people? What was the biggest thing that you didn't see coming when you went from solo to with other people on your team? Right, right. That's a great question, Scott. The biggest thing that I didn't see coming was how much extra time it would take to offer essentially those that were working with me a good experience and also just providing for what they needed as well. I didn't realize how much time it would take and Definitely, you know, the legal side of business is a reality and it definitely increases what you have to think about. And, you know, thankfully, the company started slowly so that for at least the first few years, I could really keep up with all the changes. But adding people onto the team to work with you is a whole new level of responsibility. And it's a good one because there is so much more that can be accomplished in teams than can actually be accomplished solo. So it's a really good thing, but it's not for the faint of heart because it certainly adds another level. (laughs) That makes sense. Were you surprised how your personal job changed from instructor to administrator? Did that make you dizzy at any point? (laughs) It did after the first couple years, I would say, you know, admin, there's a lot of admin, of course, that goes into running a company and being organized is super important. And so I've had to learn how to be a little bit more organized over the years. I love the people side of things more than the admin side. So I would love to just spend time with the teachers, you know, all the time and, you know, make sure that they're taken care of and, you know, like all the clients, but doing all the book work, definitely not my favorite. No, but it has to be done. I think that, you know, to me, I started in business early. I was able to crash land several businesses as a young person in my 20s. And I was learning through punishment. You know, <laughs> I was going to ask, what does that mean, Scott? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I better not. It will, it'll be an entirely different podcast to go down that road. And I want to stay focused on you. And I'm just saying there's things you don't see coming in business that surprise you. And that maybe you feel overwhelmed by. That's happened to me many times, especially some of my early ventures. 
in my first venture, I had a problem getting customers. Okay. Obviously, if you don't get customers, you don't have a business for long. And then secondly, I had a business where I could get customers, but maybe I had other challenges that were insurmountable. So I went through a couple of iterations like that. And so it's not like they're impossible to overcome. You've got to go into business, not necessarily thinking about what you know only, but what you have to learn. And that'll keep you from being really, really shaken in your process. Because, you know, you're changing. You're, you yourself are becoming a different person. With that in mind, how do you think you've learned and grown by your business experience? Wow, that's such a good question. It has definitely been a learning journey, one that I am so thankful for. One of the things that I had been thinking about before this podcast was how much the Lord has shown me in regards to business about people pleasing in business and how when I first started the company, I started, you know, with, I love excellence and I want to provide a really, really good service. But what ended up being uncovered in me was how much I was people pleasing and how the company actually started a little bit on a foundation of people pleasing and how as we grew and expanded, I couldn't maintain it. And the problems that that caused because of my people pleasing issue. And so that definitely, he's been teaching me so much about that over the years, because it has definitely been over the years (laughs) to learn and grow and, and change my thought process on that. You know, there are so many, so many pitfalls to people pleasing, and sometimes it can look like excellence and it can look like being really good at customer service, but the fruit of it proves that it is not. (laughs) Okay. So I want to make sure that we understand how you mean people pleasing. What, in brief, what is people pleasing? What does that mean to you? Well, it's interesting because the definition of people pleasing usually revolves around someone that wants to be kind and helpful to a fault, you know, where they deny, you know, their own needs or they have a hard time saying no. Having a good business is usually people start it because they want to be kind and helpful and they want to make a difference. It's interesting how the two things can mirror each other. But people pleasing for me in the company looked like wanting everybody to be happy and never mad at me for anything. (laughs) So I, I always wanted people to be satisfied, which is good, except for sometimes I needed to say no. Sometimes, you know, I had to stick by, you know, this is what the contract says. We can't go beyond it. And that was very difficult for me for a really long time and can still be a little challenging sometimes. When it comes to contract stuff like that, we call that scope creep. So here's the scope of what we've agreed to. And it's trying to creep into other areas or maybe other things. Is there an example? of a time when you were confronted, like, oh, this is, you know, maybe not your first couple of inklings on the fact that you were trying to go too far with the people-pleasing thing, but, you know, maybe you thought about it, nah, maybe not, you know, you have, and then all suddenly you have something in front of you that you can't 
reason away. Is there some time that you had that confrontation? Yes, definitely. So I think what would end up happening, you know, if there needs to be a change to schedule, we do require 24 hours notice just to give time for everybody to make the change in a good way. So like lesson changes, schedule changes. And for me, whether it was a cancellation, you know, right at the time of the lesson or two hours before or something, I would always give a makeup because I didn't want them to be upset. You know, I wanted to be pleasing and be a good teacher. But what ended up happening is continually having that type of culture where no matter what, you know, we would always do a makeup class created an expectation that it would always be that way. So as schedules got busier and the company expanded, it wasn't possible to continue that. Those that had been used to us always saying yes became very upset when we had to start saying no because we had created a false expectation, which was my own fault for people-pleasing and teaching my team to do the same. Right. So, and just for clarification, you had it right on paper. The agreement that somebody went into with you stated a 24-hour window, but you just weren't enforcing that. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And was it also true for teachers? I can imagine that the reschedule often is coming from the student, but was it also true that teachers needed to give a 24-hour notice if there needed to be a schedule change? Yes, that is true. There needed to be a 24-hour notice for them as well. And mostly... That didn't always happen. So it was a, a constant, you know, like readjusting, you know, like recommunicating once we grew to the point where it was very necessary. You know, I'm one of those that whatever standards, you know, we expect of our clients, I want our team to exceed those expectations as well. So if it's 24 hours for them, we definitely need to give 24 hours as well or even more, just so that we're sure to respect their schedule as we are asking them to respect ours. Yeah, makes sense. So what was the most destructive result or outcome for you and maybe for your business when it comes to this people-pleasing? How did that play out in terms of consequences? What did you come to when you said, hey, this and this and this is happening? I've got to change my approach. What happened there? Right. Personally, what happened for me is that my health started to suffer and my anxiety levels were super, super high. I wasn't sleeping because I was worried and anxious about, you know, the problems that were going on or having to say no to somebody. It was keeping me up at night. And so and it was robbing me of my peace and even joy that I had in the company. You know, I was losing my joy. And so those are just a few, you know, like personal consequences, you know, and then even instructors, you know, would start getting upset with me because I was trying to impose on them something that never should have been imposed. And so and it was affecting them too. And so health and some relationships there for a little bit were the consequences for sure. That was personally for the business. It was a little different. <laughs> Yes, I can well imagine it was. <laughs> well, thank God that you got some clarity on this. And I think you're, like all of us, in those moments, 
you're going through the personal maturity process, right? I mean, it's an expression of personal maturity to be able to tell someone no and not have your identity called into question. Because I think we do want to be helpful. We have a business because we want to serve and bless and be a part of the answer for people's needs and the things that they require, the things that they can benefit from. Yes. You're going to have to grow beyond where you are. And there's a lot of discomfort there. Thank God your eyes were opened. You saw, as we do, I mean, this particular problem is on a list. You know, it ranks near the top, I'm sure. But, you know, there's a list of things we're growing out of. We're growing beyond. So is there anything else you want to say about people pleasing before we move on there, Brittany? Yeah, probably just one more thing. You know, I shared about some of the negatives of people pleasing, but a couple of the good things that the Lord did out of it was that as I started to address, you know, my own need for people pleasing and starting to change it within the company, the team started to get so much stronger. You know, because what happened is I started to have their backs more than my own. I was able to represent people more fully when I wasn't thinking of my own fear of rejection or of failure. And so the results are uncomfortable and a little turbulent at the beginning to change, but it builds such a strength with everybody and it creates a trust and a security. So that is one of the benefits of addressing people pleasing in business and in life. My stress levels went down, you know, once I, I stopped doing it as much, you know, still in process and, you know, joy returned. And those are important things. I can see how that would be a likely outcome where you have a, a stronger team. There was a foundation laid that needed to be torn up and relayed. <laughs> you know, that's messy business, right? It's messy to tear a foundation out. Yeah, messy and a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lo lots of work, dirty work. You got to get your hands grimy. Jesus, of course, loved, and it was his motive and mission to bless, to give, to empower, to leave people better off. But he's not a people pleaser. No. <laughs> yeah, so you recognize something about him that he's trying to build into you, and that's the hard work. Another thing that I take away from your comment is that when order gets established, it blesses you and you get to sleep at night again, your anxiety levels go down, but you also are in a position that peace and good order flows to everyone. Would you say that was a result? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I've got to admit here now that we're, it's confession time. I myself tend to be a little more accommodating at times than I should. I don't think we ever like totally lose our tendency to stretch in the direction of people and their needs. One of the things I learned in a negotiation class is that when you ask for something, or let's say I come to you and I say, I need you to accommodate me in some way that's not contained inside the agreement. In healthy negotiations, if someone's asking you for something, then they should be willing to give something that's important to you 
in that process. So if somebody asks you for an accommodation, but they're not willing to satisfy your request as a part of the negotiation, then they're probably just bullying you, not negotiating. But you can always say, okay, you're wanting this. Here's something that's important to me as a result of your request. Can you accommodate me there? And a lot of times you'll find common ground to move on. I've got one other question, and I want to make sure to get anything in that is important also to you and and that's on your mind. But the idea here, I'm going to dance around this a touch, but we don't really have, in my opinion, Christian businesses, right? I mean, that to me is a moniker that we maybe we shouldn't use. That's my opinion, and not everybody shares that. And I don't feel like it's my job to enforce my point of view. <laughs> so, but how is your business different than it would be if your faith was not informing your approach? Wow, Scott, that is such a good question. So I think that for me, being a Christian in business, I am always trying to approach things from a place of love. That is something that is not always seen in other companies, but whenever I make a decision, I try to think of the clients and the instructors before I think of the business at times, because I want to make sure that all decisions are coming from a place of love. And if they're coming from a place of love, the results are going to be amazing. And it doesn't mean that everybody wins all the time, but love will be there. And I have examples of places where love has prevailed, even though did the company win? No, but the company kind of did because love you know, would touch the hearts of people. And it was a beautiful thing. So I think that's probably the the best answer I have. (laughs) That is such a good answer, though. Folks, love never fails. Okay. If you stick to that motive, you can be sure that it will be to the upside. In your pursuit of love, at times it looked like you lost, but you really did it because you're laying a foundation that won't have to be torn down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously, not everybody on this podcast do I have a personal investment in their leadership journey. But in your case, I'm super thankful that I do have a little bit of investment in your leadership journey. And it brings me like so much joy, this last go round of comments here. That blesses me, Brittany. That's a good, good thing. Oh, Scott, I'm so thankful. I think you have a large investment, (laughs) not just a small one. I really appreciate all of the investment over the years. So thank you. You're beyond welcome. I'm thankful for our friendship and for your growth and the process the Lord's taking you through. I'm super stoked to be close enough to observe those things and what the Lord's doing in you in your life and how he's leading you. Very, very cool stuff. And I just want to commend you, you know, for your courage. Business is not for the faint of heart. If you think it is, just get some. (laughs) Just just get out there and try it. So it's a fluid context and it's a lot like wrestling, you know, wrestling is a very honest thing. You're out there and you're in this onesie and so is someone else 
There's no place to hide there. You get my point, but no, thank you for your courage and your following Jesus in the process you're in. It's a complete joy to me to be a part of that journey. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. So tell me, this obviously is not necessarily an advertisement, but what's the name of your business? And if people want to know more about you or about your business, how do they find you? Yeah, the name of the company is called Creative Melodies. And to get in contact with us, you can look us up, creativemelodies.com. And there you'll find access to numbers and emails and contact forms. And we would love to connect with you if you're interested in lessons at all. Yeah, Creative Melodies, the name, creativemelodies.com. And someone will be in contact with you. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Stay with me after we push stop for a sec, if you will, just for some parting thoughts. But I really, really appreciate it. We'll backlink the web address and those other details in the show notes so folks can click through when they're not driving. Please don't click through when you're driving. Thank you. Many blessings to you, Brittany, and thanks again for being here. Thank you. You as well, Scott. Thank you so much. I am Scott McClelland, and... For FX Missions Podcasting, we appreciate you joining. Please share this content with someone you think could benefit, and we'll look for you next time. Straight ahead on FX Missions Leadership Moment. I'd like to say a big thank you very much to Brittany one more time for joining us. It was a real blessing to me, and I really appreciated the insights that she shared. The biggest takeaway for me was her transition from fear to love as a motivator. And I think for those of you who have an investment in folks in terms of discipling them or mentoring them or helping them to get closer and maintain their proximity to Jesus, it makes sense when you hear things like this happening, you get very inspired. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to use that as an inspiration as well, personally, to help me check myself. What's motivating me as a leader? How about you? Did you take something different away or what what did you like? Please, again, email me at scott at fxmissions.com and let me know. It really makes me feel great to know that God's using this show to give you something That's my hope, and with your feedback, we can make sure of it. Next time, we have a special treat. Two guests, that's right, two guests, Josh and Bernie from GrowAbility. These guys are high energy, and probably one of my favorite podcast recordings, the actual recording that I've done, it was wow. I really enjoyed it. Very, very high energy. You're going to get a lot from it, and the Lord will use it, I believe, to add something to you from a leadership standpoint that you don't have now. You're going to make sure and hear the one coming up with Josh and Bernie from GrowAbility. We really appreciate you being a part of the Leaders Moment. If you will, visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future podcasts delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish a new episode. Thanks again.